Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. My name is Andy Dawson. My name is Sam Delaney. And I think what we should start with in this episode, Sam, is the uh, the actual sound effect of the time machine, because we haven't used that for quite a while, have we? Yeah, let's show that we really are in a machine. Yeah, it, it adds to the sort of uh, the gravitas and enhances our credentials as a fully-fledged time machine. So let's let's listen to that now. Oh, there it is. And now, it's exhilarating, isn't it? Uh, and as if by magic, we are now we now find ourselves back in the year two thousand and two for the two thousand and two two thousand and three Premier League season, which we're going to look yeah. at over the next uh, forty minutes or so, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting season began not on the football pitch, but in the law courts, oh. with Chelsea's John Terry and Jordy Morris acquitted of assault following a brawl in the uh, the Wellington Club which I believe is quite a posh members-only club. I don't know about these kind of things. You live in London, Sam. You're in the media. I imagine you're a yeah, regular I'm at the in, Wellington Club. I'm in and out. I'm in Wellington. I'm in all the clubs all the time. I'm in the Garrick right now. Are you? Yeah, I'm in the Garrick club surrounded by noted thespians. In Stephen there... Fry's here, Benedict Cumberbatch. I might do a violent assault on them in a minute. Do they, do they have a recording studio there, or do you just set your phone up in the no, corner? No, I sit just... here. Yeah, I just sit here amongst all of the lovies and get on with it. Who's the other one who's here? Mark Rylance. He's good, isn't he? <laughs> Mark, Mark Rylance is there just staring mournfully into the distance. Paul Chuckle. Yeah. The <laughs> also, also staring mournfully into the distance. Yeah. Mm. Paul Chuckle's having a uh, very heated conversation with his agent right now. Oh, bet he is. I, I heard mention of Leah coming back to the West End and Chuckle really? wants that role. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a diversion. Career mm. diversion. What's the opium levels like there today? High. High. as a kite. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah, so John Terry and Jody Morris were acquitted of assault, and there is no stain on the character of either men. Uh, John Terry apparently punched a bouncer in self-defence, and uh, the, the, the accusation that he glassed him wasn't proven. So, um, as I said, no stain on the character of John Terry whatsoever. He, he, well, he remains a fine, yeah. upstanding citizen. Do you reckon they did it? Just remember... Oh, I'm not going to say that. Before you answer that question, we are going back 15, 16 years here. Yeah. And as you know, I know a lot about the law. Fuck. And uh, I I can assure you that you are free to comment freely on any case that's over 12 years old. Um, Right. and, And that includes you casting doubt over the verdict. Right. I mean, if your personal opinion is that Jodie Morris and John Terry did do the assault, then you are free to say that. What I'll say is this. 
Uh, in the last episode, we we played the theme tune from Crown Court, which is now our, our permanent closing theme music. Yeah. And I was doing a bit of sort of reading up on Crown Court, and what I didn't remember about <laughs> it was that members of the public were actually in the studio and acted as a jury. So the case was tried, mm. you know, in this mock courtroom, and you had yeah. actual jury members that decided if they were guilty or not guilty, and two endings were filmed. So then they would then play whichever one was appropriate according to the the um, the jury verdict. Ah. So what I will say is this: if I was if if John Terry and Jodie Morris versus Her Majesty's whatever it is uh, was being tried in the Granada Studios of Crown Court mm. uh, in the the early eighties, uh, and I was on the jury, I would have said guilty. Would you have needed? Because I don't know if you're aware of all the evidence presented to that court. Are you saying that that's irrelevant? Yeah, just from a Guardian piece from 2002 that I've read. Yeah, right. You think it's stone cold? And just, just my, my, just sort of overriding suspicion and, and feelings about John Terry as a man. Yeah. You no, know, like now we're really into Crown Court again. Do you think we, we should try and pitch to a TV channel bringing back Crown Court, but we'll call it Hole in the Ground Justice? <laughs> Hole in the corner, justice. Hole in the corner, justice. Yeah, and it's presented by George Graham. Yeah, and it's it's along the same lines as Crown Court, in as much as there are actors, and there, but then there are real life jurors. Yeah, but it's according to what George Graham's interpretation of Hole in the Corner justices. So you've got you've got George Graham sitting at the beginning with a wig on, the judge's wig, <laughs> yeah. staring down the barrel of the camera. Welcome, yeah, the Hole in the Corner justice. <laughs> I am Judge George Graham. <laughs> that is exactly what I am proposing, yeah. Yeah, I reckon. And we will take that to Dave this very afternoon. We definitely will, yeah. So there'll be no yeah. more episodes of this fucking podcast yeah. fiasco coming up because we're we're hitting the big time. We're finally, off to we finally we will make the league the courtroom reality show that we've always dreamt of. <laughs> and we can leave our football podcast behind. And stay tuned as well, of course, for that theme tune from Crown Court at the very end of the podcast, which is our new permanent closing theme. This This is it! it. There was a little bit of money spent in the summer. Um, The most notable transfer deal was Rio Ferdinand, who went from Leeds to Manchester United, uh, two clubs that despise each other, Mm. uh, for £30 million, which I believe was at least a British record transfer. I think it was a world record for a defender. It was a world one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few days but before. I think, I, I think that might have been the second time. So I think when he moved from West Ham to Leeds for 18, yeah, I think that, that might have been a record for a defender. Yeah. And so he broke it again. But he'd just had a sensational World Cup in Japan and Korea. He was he was really good in that World Cup. That's so right, he, he was. Thought, he's, he's, the missing, he's the missing piece in the jigsaw. Yeah, definitely. So he went there. And just a couple of days before the transfer went through, Peter Ridsdale, the Leeds chairman, said... Uh, He's going nowhere. Where does he think he's going to go? Thin air. <laughs> <clears throat> and of course, Weird no, thing. he didn't go into thin air. He went to Old Trafford. And it thin was, air uh, rovers. <laughs> thin air rovers. You can try signing for them if you want, sunshine. But newsflash, they don't exist. Yeah. Have you not heard of contracts? Read your contract. <laughs> doesn't say anything about thin air in your contract, Rio. <laughs> so we've got um, Peter Ridsdale cast there as some kind of Camp, um, sounds like Mark Lawrence. It always sounds yeah, exactly basically. like Mark Lawrence. Yeah, any yeah. any character from the northwest who um, is a little a camp bit of, a feat in any way yeah. gets the Mark Lawrence <laughs> treatment, of course. Um, 
Did you see Mark Lawrenson on BBC Breakfast the other morning? I heard about him having fa- face cancer and yeah, a TV viewer diagnosing yeah, it. Yeah, a GP who was also a Liverpool fan saw him on Football right. Focus and emailed Football Focus oh. uh, with a cancer alert and they, they got them together on the sofa on, um, really? on BBC Breakfast. It was the first time they'd met. and um, You saved my life. That was basically it, yeah. It, but, um, I owe you everything. The presenter said something like, so are you best friends now? And Lawrence went, oh, yeah, there's a bromance going on. Oh, God. <laughs> Lawrenson. Lawrenson is one of those guys, like people's dads, although you and I are dads, so I suppose it's the likes of us nowadays, who appropriates terms that became that were in the zeitgeist <laughs> at least 10 to 12 years before. But yeah. he's really pleased with himself about it when he does it. Does a little, like, smile yeah. to himself, like, yeah, I'm still with it. Yeah, still you know, got it. Like, he, he is... I mean, this is a, the classic of that genre is, of yeah. course, people who say not in the Wayne's World style, right? <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, Wayne's World, I think, the, the original Wayne's World came out in, like, 91. Yeah. And it's the mark of someone who's really struggling with life. <laughs> they still tag the end of a statement with the word not Um, and Mark Lawrenson actually does that and of course he does because Mark Lawrenson is the king of these things I don't know about you but I do it on purpose to irritate my 11 year old daughter (laughs) so two things I've been doing this is good advice for anyone out there with a a daughter of similar age Uh, two good words to chuck in to really antagonise them Mm. is well one phrase which is I can't even Right, which yeah. a lot of which is kind of valley girl sort of thing. Yeah, and I'll do that quite a lot. I'll go, I can't even, and hold her hand up, and it drives her insane. And the new one, she just started secondary school last week, and the new one I'm doing is going, um, how was school today? Was it lit? <laughs> You've got to do that one. If you, if, if, roll her eyes. If like me, you take great pleasure in antagonising your children. Yeah. Then I can really recommend it. Say, is it lit? I mean, I don't know if they're using terms like that in Sunderland because it well, probably takes a few years for the those I'd, terms to come up. I just need to breathe to to upset my daughter because she's fourteen and a half now, <laughs> so it's just like peak yeah. teenage shit. I mean, I'm on a knife edge as it is, mate. Oh, I mean, it's going to get so much worse. Last night, last night she had some friends around after school. They're only eleven, right? So one of them, I would knew that she was coming back to ours after school because her mum had asked, right? If because she, she was working. But the other one turned up from around the corner a bit random. So all I did was stick my head around the bedroom door and I said, Amy, do your mum and dad know you're here? And she said, no. And I said, well, can you text them to let them know? And she went, "Uh, okay. And they all looked at each other and grinned at me. So I just left (laughs) because obviously I was intimidated. And then after they got all gone, we were having dinner later and I said, oh yeah, Coco's friends around earlier. And she's given it. Yeah, and you were so weird. And I said, what are you talking about? How was I weird? You came in, and then she has to do a voice. She can't just do it. She goes, Amy, do your mum and dad know you're here? Can you text them? And I went, what is, what, what, what's the matter with that? What am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, they, she can't just come round here and, like, they don't know. They'll think that I've kidnapped her or something. Oh, oh man, mate. it's just the worst... This is it. So this was the the start of the period where Leeds began to sell off the family jewels because uh, they'd mortgaged everything against the Champions League mm. place, which they didn't get. Uh, so Rio went and... Um, Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane, yeah. And, of course, O'Leary had gone. 
previously, the previous season. The poor, the poor babies were all under own. I'll be they were orphans now. They were, they were poor, just wee orphans, like, like little half and Annie. Oh, so they were, with the workhouse. And the mm. Uncle Terry, Uncle Terry Venables was looking after them for a wee while. But it wasn't the same as, as Uncle David, no. because, no, Mr Venables kept singing songs and disappearing off to London for days on end on business. Oh, he'd, he'd come in and he'd sing Mr Bojangles for us, and it scared the wee babies. And he'd... Why, why are you singing that song, Mr Bojangles, over and over again? And he'd have an awful smell about him, about his breath, an awful smell of his breath, like, I don't know, maybe whiskey or something like that. And whiskey it, it, and cigars and oh, cologne. Oh, and it frightened the little babies, and it, it just didn't help the performances on the football field. No. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't good for Leeds. Um, one of the other interesting deals in the summer was Dwight York uh, finally yeah. leaving Manchester United. They tried to boot him out of Middlesbrough the season before, but he wasn't having it. He eventually went to um, to Blackburn uh, and yeah. teamed up again with Andy Cole. Yeah. Under uh, the auspices of Graham Souness. Oh. Now, Blackburn, this, this you'd think this would be a good partnership, wouldn't you? Reviving the Cole and York. Yeah, makes sense. Partnership. Um, and it, indeed it was. They finished sixth in the Premier League this season. But right. who do you think was the top scorer for Blackburn out of Cole or York? Uh, Cole. Ah, that was a trick question. It was neither of them. Oh, well, that's just... You, you, you should have said... who. If it's a trick question, you should have said, who was the top scorer for Blackburn? Yeah, I, You actually that, completely misled me. I did. I thought you would have just ended up in some kind of complicated guessing game then, so I just thought I'd... All right, I'd, so I'd, I reckon the top scorer... The, the top scorer Are you was, in it? fact... No. All right, I don't know. Damien Duff. Oh. Damien Duff got nine goals in the league. What, they got less than nine, both of them? That's <laughs> yeah. shit. Dwight York got eight in 33, and Andy Cole got seven in 34. That's terrible. Poor. And they really finished poor. fucking sixth in the league. They must What's have spread about? a lot of goals out. They must have spread goals out throughout the team. They must have both been providers. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, so they finished sixth, and it was never, ever as good again for Graham Souness. We, we might find out in subsequent episodes. We might not, but that sixth in the Premier League was as good as it ever got for him. And I think that was because this was the advent of the modern footballer. And I don't yes. think Graham Souness can deal with he the modern footballer. He couldn't stomach them. He's like Roy Keane. Exactly. He could not stomach them. I've read Graham Souness's book as well, and he, he says as much. He goes, that you know, in the end, the game moved on, and mm. I wasn't comfortable with it anymore. So, I, you know, that's me done. <laughs> I just now, I'm paid to sit in a television studio looking furious <laughs> for, unsp- for mysterious reasons. And that is what his appeal is. It's the yeah. mystery... It's the mystery surrounding his rage yeah. that is that makes him so compelling. Because no matter what's being discussed, like say if he was a judge on the Bake Off, he would never speak. It'd be say if it was him back in the glory days. The lineup was him, Hollywood, yeah. and Mary Berry, and he would never. They'd ne- they'd almost have to pretend he wasn't there because he would never respond. He'd stand mm. there. And they'd go, Mary, what do you think of this sponge cake? And she'd say a bit. Paul Hollywood, what do you think of this sponge cake? He'd say his bit. And then they'd just look. Mel and Sue would just look at Graham. And Graham, his temples would be throbbing. Yeah. A purple, a purple vein bursting from his forehead. Teeth gritted, mm. staring unblinkingly at the cake. Yeah. Uh, saliva, perhaps, creeping <laughs> from the cor- each corner of his mouth. <laughs> and each corner? Just, Fucking each, hell. Like, a, a long silence. And then they'd just move on to the next bit of the programme. Yeah, because it, you don't, you never know what's troubling him. No, 
it, there's something existentially mm. bothering him, isn't there? I, but I, yeah. I like Soonis. I like Soonis and Hell I like yeah. Loro because they seem to annoy younger people. <clears throat> yeah, they're of that yeah. previous era which we are part of as middle-aged men yeah. and the yeah. millennials on the social medias seem to get really fucked off by the fact that Sunus is there with his slightly old-fashioned views and his, his latent anger and yeah. the fact that Laurel gets bored by the fact that he has to be taken to watch football matches and get paid for the privilege even though he doesn't seem yeah. to enjoy them when they are generally shit yeah, when they're shit, shit, he says they're shit, and I yeah. I like that. I respect it. I feel insulted if there's a commentator trying to tell me that it's compelling when it isn't. Yeah, I mean the the truth is, Andy, most football is shit. It is. I mean, I know that's weird to say, but we are only watching it like a junkie chasing the buzz of their first ever yeah. hit. It's Do you know exactly what I mean? What like, it is. You, you, you've seen good football. You know what it's like to it's see something exciting and exhilarating, mm. but it's rare, and that's what keeps you watching. Because mm-hmm. 90% of the games you watch are dog like, shit. Ugh, absolute dog shit. Then, yeah. And then even in a shit game, there might be one or two good moments. But sometimes there are literally zero moments in a yeah. game. I've watched plenty of games where nothing of note happens. And, and I think as well, what else annoys the millennials on the social medias is about Lawrence and Sooness. It's that frustration of, of Lawrence and the, the anger of Sooness. But they don't realise that once you get past the age of, let's say, 40... Life is mainly frustration and anger. Yeah, they haven't experienced that yet. They, don't they forget don't regret. It. Don't don't forget regret. Regret, yeah. Thwarted ambition. The th- the the third horseman of the middle aged <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> hunger, hunger's another one. I often feel hungry. I'm hungry now. Yeah, yeah. I could do with some maybe like a bowl of nuts or something just to snack on. Yeah, just this. anything to snack on. It's would not be good for lovely, audio but- though. That's how I feel all the time. I'm always, I, I always could have something more to eat. This must be the male menopause. Perhaps that's what we're, do- yeah. we're both going through. Yeah, that's why we're probably. sitting here talking about the past. This is it. Another interesting transfer deal came at my very own Sunderland, where uh, the the powers of Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips seem to be dwindling. So we brought in the uh, the the double header of Torre Andrea Flo from Rangers. Mm. And Marcus Stewart from recently relegated Ipswich, which was at the time it seemed like whoa we're, we're back on the up. We just escaped relegation on the final day of the previous season. Under so, who? Under Peter Reid. Right. So you know something had to be done, and he decided that buying more strikers was the thing. Yeah, to do. it was always a good idea to buy more strikers. Yeah, because that's what you do, isn't it? You just kick the ball yeah. up the strikers and they score goals and you win matches. Yeah. Simple as that, isn't it? Football. Uh, so we bought those two for a combined fee of about fucking hell, about thirteen million, I think it was. Stuart was about three million, and Flo was about ten million. But um, we shall so, see how hang that. On. Where, where was Flo? Had he already played for Chelsea? By he that played for Chelsea. Then he'd gone to Rangers. They bumped him off to Rangers because you know they'd figured out he wasn't that good. Yeah, and, and then uh, he came he back because he had been presumably been scoring like a hundred oh, yeah. a season yeah, at Rangers. Shitloads, shitloads at yeah. Rangers. So we we forked out ten million for him. But um, it doesn't end well. This is it! Something we didn't mention in the 2001-2002, which carried on into this season that we're looking at, ITV, the Premiership. ITV store the rights, the highlights of the Premier League from the BBC. And, of course, they put on their um, their show, The Premiership, with Des Lynham. And they brought Des back, didn't they, to go did. up against Gary? What they an did. amazing thing! And they stuck De- it. Des had, Des had quit, 
I mean, he quit match today. He didn't get the boot. He just decided to jack it in, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, quite a few years before this, as it happens, about four or five years before was that this. What it was, I can't remember the exact timeline, but they brought obviously he went up to ITV and they started putting the highlights on at seven pm on a Saturday evening. Yeah, and, and uh, they used U2's "Beautiful Day" as the theme tune, which I wasn't really a fan of. No, it was it was a bold choice, wasn't it? They were just trying to reinvent football highlights when, of course, yeah. none of us wanted football highlights to be reinvented. No. Most most of the time it would be on at, it would be on seven PM every week and every other week I would still be in the pub post match. That's it. You're always in the pub. And I had a long way to come <clears throat> home from West Ham. So the journey was like, you know, you'd often have an I would often have like a forty five minute tube journey. And yeah. because you'd want to put off and you want the di- queues to die down, you'd go to the pub for a few beers. And the next yeah, thing the you know, queues. yeah, the queues. Yeah, yeah, that, that was your excuse. Yeah. Oh, I've got to wait, got to wait for the queues outside the station to die down, haven't I? <laughs> That's why I've got to go for twelve pints of lager <laughs> and then a kebab. Yeah, but that's what it was. Uh, uh, every other week after a home match, I'd have been out from like noon and then carry mm. on straight after the match. So by seven pm, the highlights are on, and I was already shit faced. So I couldn't yeah. appreciate the nuances got- of the Premier League. Yeah, and Des Lynam's sort of line of humour which we all like, was a bit too subtle for a man with that much lager inside of him because he's always, he's kind of wry aside yeah. and su- subtle, nuanced looks and to the camera. And nod and wink and all that kind of yeah. thing, yeah. And there's no way you, raging drunk, after being sat there shouting your head off at Marcus Stewart for his <laughs> lumbering efforts up front, you come back, you can hardly see straight, and Desi's charm, his understated charm, is completely lost on you. Totally. By the second season, they'd realised it was a load of shit and they moved it back to 10.30pm mm. in this season that we're looking at now. Of course, they had the tactics truck as well. Oh, yeah. Which Who was, was in that? Was Andy it? Townsend. Andy Townsend was in the tactics truck. I always truck. think of him being in the truck, the poor bastard. Perhaps he wasn't. Perhaps that's just a false memory. But um... Get in the truck, Townsend. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in the studio. No, get in the truck! Get in the fucking truck. The You're fucking... not going near Lynham. <laughs> not after last time. <laughs> <laughs> this is it the Premier League season started and um, one of the early early highlights was when Birmingham beat Aston Villa 3-0 and wow. um, Peter Enkelman the Villa goalkeeper conceded a yeah. fantastic goal from Olaf Melberg who threw the ball back to him and it went under his foot and over oh, the line oh man and now, then what happened next well what I've got here is that Enkelman later said that it should have been a corner and because he didn't touch the ball and he what? said he said I, I I knew the rules I knew the rules <laughs> so what he was saying was that he deliberately let it go under uh, for what I don't know for what reason fuck mm. knows I'm just going to let that roll in yeah I think it's probably the professional thing to do yeah I, I know the rules this should be a corner yeah so um, rather than me control the ball and clear it out to my team, I think I'll concede a corner instead. So, yeah. I seem to remember, unless I've got my Birmingham derbies muddled up, that a Brum fan ran on the pitch, got right up in Enkelman's face and <laughs> did a little V-sign dance in his face. I remember that happening. That might have been the same I one. Think it was, I, I, I remember thinking, this is like, at, talk about rock bottom. He's just let in a disastrous <laughs> own goal in the in the big derby, and now there's someone on TV 
dancing while splicking the bees with both hands <laughs> right in his face. Jalapeño. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. In October, Fulham 1, Charlton 0. Sounds like a fairly innocuous match, doesn't it? But what we saw was the goal was scored by Fulham's Fecundo Sava. Scored the only goal of the match and celebrated by pulling a Zorro mask out from his sock, oh. putting it on his face. Now you, Why? Sam. You, well, I yeah. don't know. I was going to put that to you. You, Sam, have a history of enjoying dressing up. Yes. Sometimes as Dick Turpin, sometimes as a posh old man. Maybe you've dressed up as Zorro in the past. I don't know. What do you? I think. I, I think. In- I, when I when I was a kid, I had a Zorro mask. But I need to make one important point about my history of dressing up. Please do. Is that. I hate fancy dress parties and I don't attend them. Um, I think that dressing up is a young man's game. I think it's for kids. <laughs> and I think that adults who have fancy dress parties are, not to put too fine a point on it, cunts. Because and I think it's, Yeah, it's a bit like, oh, oh, oh let's just... I go, I've got my own clothes, mate. I don't need to dress up. Do you know what it like, is? Do you know what category it comes under? It comes under the category of forced jollity. Force jollity, exactly Which that. Is, and there's is a, also is, seen in comic relief when you have dress up days at work. Uh, and it's know. really David Brent, but it's also a bit. I associate it a little bit with kind of. I don't know. It's a bit like a private schoolboy kind of. Here's a good wheeze. Let's all dress up. Yeah. You know, and there'll always be some twat dressed as a Nazi or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's stupid dressing up. I don't like dressing up nowadays, but I, when I was a kid, as as has been well documented on this podcast, I love dressing up. And I do remember having a Zorro outfit because not only did it have the mask and the hat, mm. here's the good bit, mm. it, had, it had a plastic sword <gasps> and attached to the nib of the sword was Ooh. a small piece of chalk which may allowed you to draw the Z of Zorro on your opponents. Fucking yeah. hell. Because what he'd do is he'd slash it, wouldn't he? But what you yeah. did with your toy one was chalk them with a Z. That's good. So uh, what was Zorro known for? I can't really remember because he was sort of like a jumble of other characters, like a bit like the Lone Ranger, wasn't he? Yeah. bit like Robin Hood. Was he a crime fighter? Yeah, I think so. And I- I'm not sure whether he was Mexican or American, or operated along the border on both sides. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I think I think he had dual nationality. Um, now, this Sava character, is, I think he was Argentinian. I think right. he was a big money buy. So, yeah. I don't know whether there was... Yeah, maybe there's a Latin connection. So, who maybe. knows what, is, what his motivation was, yeah. I wonder if Donald Trump has considered deploying Zorro on the border. Instead yeah, of, we're building an army of Zaros. Instead of, instead of a I wall. have appointed yeah. two twenty thousand Zaros to patrol yeah. the Mexican border. Yeah. Rather than the construction work involved in a border, we are gonna deploy a team of Zaros. <laughs> held, held together, linked together, arm in arm. 
<laughs> oh, with swords with pieces of chalk on the end of them. And if you're one of these Mexican guys trying to come into our country, you better watch out because you're getting chalked. You gotta get a Z on your T-shirt. So don't come in. <laughs> don't come in wearing white T-shirts because it won't work. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good plan. This is it. Into October, and sadly at Sunderland, Peter Reid was sacked after nine matches. Uh, it didn't work out with Tori Andre Flo and Marcus Stewart, or at least didn't early in the season. And uh, I covered this in the the live show we did last week, which we put out as a podcast as well. Um, Howard Wilkinson talked himself into the job after being recruited by Bob Murray, the chairman, as a consultant. Uh, yeah. Bob Murray just said, "Howard, you know, you've got your eye on the on the ball. You're the FA's technical director. Who should we hear at Sunderland bring in as our new manager?" And of course, Wilkinson said, "I've got just the man for you, Mr. Chairman." He's a he's got experience. He's got a keen mind and a sharp eye. He's been out of the top flight for a while, but he deserves another chance. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good, Howard. Who's he? You're looking at him, Howard Wilkinson. <laughs> Fucking hell! Say hello to your new gaffer. Yeah, it's me, you bastard. So we've done another Mark Lawrence in there. Again, slightly yeah. camp northerner. Uh, Wilkinson got the job. I'll just cut straight to the cha- the chase. We ended up getting relegated on 19 points that season. And Howard Wilkinson was a massive part of that. Uh, yeah. It was awful. He brought in his, his, his sidekick, a fellow called Steve Cottrell, who he'd been oh, yeah. grooming as a... as a Wilkinson was his mentor of some kind. Mm. And uh, Cottrell used to prowl the technical area wearing a mm. pair of shorts that were a little bit too tight, even mm. in November. He would really? wear these shorts. And Did he, he wear a- boots and shin guards too? I think it was trainers. Right. Trainers and a pair of shorts. But he had a notebook as well. He was constantly scribbling in this notebook. Oh, that's the mark of an astute modern boss, isn't it? It's the mark notebook. of a it's the mark of a chancer, let's face it. It's yeah, the mark of a fraud. Right. Yeah. So uh that was He's only writing little reminders for his shopping list on the yeah, way home, probably. you know, like eggs, sh- sanatogen, uh, blah blah blah. Don't forget to be home by seven PM to watch the premiership on ITV. <laughs> yeah, you're I'm probably gonna be on it. Because yeah. I've worn these particularly tight shorts to make sure that the camera loves me. This is it. Also in October, uh, Everton beat Arsenal two one at Goodison, and we saw the first ever league goal by young Wayne Rooney. I remember that. I remember that very well. I remember beaut, where I was it? when I saw that. Yeah. Were you in the pub? It was a beaut. Yeah. No, I wasn't in the pub. I was around. I was in the northeast with my mate. In fact, I talked about this the other week, so I've got it muddled up. But. Um, I turned up. Uh, I was at my mate's house in the in just outside Newcastle. Yeah. George Harrison had died. We were really pissed up. Do you remember <laughs> I told you I made a commotion in the pub? Yeah. Because of the death of George Harrison, <laughs> and I, I I marched around the place making all sorts of demands in a drunken Cockney accent uh, of the <laughs> yeah, locals. Like well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I somehow survived it, but yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I was marching around telling them all what to do, telling the band what songs to play, all oh, sorts of stuff. Fucking hell. Going up to the pool table, telling the locals they were getting it all wrong, the games were wrong. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, I, I somehow managed to survive that. And then the next day I saw Wayne Rooney. Yeah, because that was uh, that was when I went to see West Ham Sunderland and you beat us 1-0. All right, and okay. then And then the next day I saw Wayne Rooney score that goal on the telly he so turned the, inside someone like Martin Keown and then basically 
chipped Seaman, didn't he? Yeah. No, he, he he banged it in from the edge of the box, from outside the oh, box. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his first one. So the Sunderland must have got three of their nineteen points against West Ham that afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Well, of it's course. Reassuring. You can tell anyone if they if they got points off anyone any terrible relegation season, you can yeah. be sure some of them were from West Ham. Jalapeno. Uh, into November and Mark Bosnich was suspended after testing positive for cocaine. Oh, um, the cheeky rascal. I think he claimed that someone had put it in his drink. Because that's, <laughs> that's what happens, isn't it? That's what happens because, you know, if you're carrying a load of expensive narcotics, you're bound to want to just waste them by pouring them into the, the, the drink of an Australian goalkeeper. I mean, I, I'd have thought when cocaine's poured into a drink, it would fizz up like, like a seltzer. Yeah, it not? that's I mean, what I'd expect. I don't expect. know if you've got any experience of it, but that's that's what I'm assuming happens. That's what I'd hope. That's what I'd hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was banned for two years, which is a fucking long time, isn't it? Two years just for yeah. what Frank McAvenny would call a wee bit of Charlie. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> bit harsh. Frank McAvenny got a slap on the wrist. Bosnich suspended for two years. Yeah. I don't think we ever saw him again. Not really sure. Jalapeño. By the end of the year, Arsenal were five points clear of Chelsea. Arsenal on 43, Chelsea on 38, Manchester United also on 38. Newcastle under Bobby Robson on 35, Everton 35. Down at the bottom, West Ham were on 16, West Brom were on 16, Sunderland were on 18, third from bottom, and Bolton were on 19 under Sam Allardyce. So uh, it's all to play for down there. Into January, Chelsea 4, Charlton 1. I'd almost forgotten about this one till I saw it on the, the highlights I was looking at. This was basically played on a Stamford Bridge beach. And the, the pitch had been so heavily sanded, it basically looked like a beach. And Chelsea had sanded it because they were going to put down a new pitch the week after. Yeah. And it was just fucking surreal. Do you, do you remember this at all? I don't I, remember I barely this. remember it. It's bizarre. But um, Chelsea got fined £5,000. Um, Charlton wanted the, the result to be overturned because the pitch wasn't suitable. They wanted to be replayed somewhere else. But in the end, Chelsea got, just got fined five grand and got the three points. So, you know, it's worth having you know, a look at worth, that. Cause... It's worth five grand of anyone's <clears throat> money, isn't it? Yeah. This, this is, is it. it. In January, the Leeds exodus continued. Lee Boyer signed for your own West Ham. And he's, yeah. he's a West Ham fan, isn't he? He's a West Ham fan. He's from round there. Um, I think he's from the Isle of Dogs, actually. Maybe, Did it make any significant improvement, do you remember? When he signed... I was excited when he signed because he was a controversial figure. So a lot of people were against the idea for a while. Uh, But I thought, but you don't really care when you're in a relegation dogfight. And at the time, he had been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League for about the last two or three seasons. So the fact that we were getting him was based largely on the fact that he'd just fallen out with Leeds uh, during the court case and stuff. They wanted rid. So I thought, well, this is amazing. This is a real result. I think we got him for nothing. Really? And, uh, yeah, and but he ended up, yeah, I mean, he had an all right time with us, but it was not, It was he didn't do enough. I mean, we'll, I don't want to do a spoiler, but he didn't quite do enough for us. But, I'm trying to say... You know, when you sign a player that is unpopular, if he's good, you really don't care, do you? No. Do you know what I mean? You don't care about signing an arsehole if you think he's good. No. The worst is if you sign someone who's an arsehole who's not good anymore. If it was January, you're in a relegation battle, and it turned out that Fred West was a really good goalkeeper... Do you think that you'd would have been him. a valid signing? I think you'd take him, yeah. If you yeah. if you knew, you think a great goalkeeper, as Cluffy would say, he can earn you 
at, come the end of the season, he can be just as valuable in yeah. points that he saved you than a top striker. And, you know, whether that top goalie is Peter Shilton, Peter Schmeichel or Fred West, yeah, you know, if he's keeping the goals out, what he does off the pitch is his business. I mean, it's January, so you're not getting a whole season out of him. But if you got, you know, if, if Fred West bought you five points from January yeah. onwards and kept And then after that, it's like, mate, when you cross that white line, yeah. you're working for me. Yeah. And your job is to keep goal is to is to save goals for West Ham United Football Club. I want you to forget all about your House of Horror, your Cromwell Street yeah. activities. Uh, kidnapping people. Yeah. Ki- uh, killing them, cho- chopping them. them up and putting them under the the patio. Yeah, Tuesday's um, your day off. Whoring you out you your want. wife, Rose West, to local builders and then watching them have sex through a hole you've drilled in the wall. Some of the lads... Uh, that some of the lads that stuff is... You can do that on Sundays. Yeah. But, or any other non-match day. Thursday's good. The lads, some of the lads day, go for a, a, an all-day bender on a Tuesday. And obviously, mm. you won't do that, Fred. You've got other fish to fry, so to speak. Yeah. But just, you know, <laughs> do it when it's an appropriate time, not on a Friday night. Yeah, but once you cross that white line, I don't want you doing any of that. No kidnapping, no killing, no whoring, nothing nothing of that nature. Stewards, Just stewards. keeping goal for the hammers. No stewards, no ball boys, no photographers. Keep your hands off no. them. I only want your hands on yeah. that ball. Keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game. Also from Leeds, uh, Robbie Fowler went off to Manchester City and Jonathan yeah. Woodgate went to Newcastle. So all the babies... Well, being they're all gone now. And, they've all spread all, their wings and flown the nest. Left home and they've got themselves jobs. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> and they send a little bit of money see. back. They send a little bit of money back in an envelope once a month for <laughs> Uncle Terry. <laughs> Just Except sure they, they didn't. still remember me. This is it! In February, this is one of the most alarming things I've ever witnessed as a football fan um, at the Stadium of Light. Sunderland 1, Charlton 3... And Sunderland scored three own goals in the space of eight minutes. That is an amazing achievement. Can you imagine that, Sam? No, don't even answer it because you can't no, imagine it. Of course, it. I can't. Yeah, you can't imagine it. And two of the own goals were scored by our striker, Michael Proctor. So we'd we had Michael Phillips, Proctor. Yeah, a youth product. Well, straight away you're thinking proctology. Which is the science of the bumhole? <laughs> well, you might be. Yeah, you it can't cross my mind. Michael Proctor sounds like Michael Arsehole Doctor <laughs> to me in my mind. But I don't, I don't understand how we got to this because we had Niall Quinn, we had Kevin Phillips, we'd bought Tori Andrea Floor, we'd bought Marcus Stewart, and you're ending and up with this clown scoring Proctor own goals for you, scoring own goals for fun. Three Shit, own goals in the space two. of eight minutes. He scored what two. Ap- he scored two. What a, the bastard! The yeah. absolute bastard. He must have taken a bung. Fuck there, it. I've said it. You have, yeah. Bring Crown the, court, Crown guilty court, as charged. And yeah. the, the the other one was scored by Juggied fullback Stephen Wright. This is it. In the March, Arsenal were eight points clear at the top of the table in March. No spoilers though. We'll see how that goes. Another couple of significant manager sackings. Howard Wilkinson was inevitably sacked by Sunderland after just taking a bad situation and making it even worse. And we brought in Mick McCarthy. Bastard! You bastard! Well, um, so Wilkinson didn't even last the whole season. Didn't last the season, no. He lasted about fucking... It was probably about six months at the most. Mm. Um, And Bob Murray realised what a 
colossal mistake that he'd made. Mick McCarthy came in with that uh, that gruff, no nonsense style that he had. We were mm. pretty much relegated by this point anyway. There was we were only on nineteen points, and there was nine matches left. So you know you're not gonna you're not gonna escape with with that kind of tally. And sure enough, we lost all nine of our last nine games under Mick McCarthy. God, that's depressing, mate. Especially so soon after you'd had one of you know your best ever teams. Two it's, years it's, after finishing seventh twice. Two, yeah. two years after all of that, it crumbled so quickly. It must have been one of the most depressing seasons you've ever had. It's Sunderland. It's what happens. And uh, over at Leeds, Uncle Terry finally left and went back to London with his tail between his legs. He went back to Scribes West, his lovely it, wee disco club. It couldn't take any more than naughty, naughty behaviour from the baby yeah. orphans. But you know what he did? Naughty Terry. What he took he some of the serum with him. Oh, he took some baby serum. And he, he was did. giving it to all of his girlfriends down in London. Oh, I bet he did. <laughs> naughty, naughty Uncle Terry. In came Uncle Peter. Peter Reed came into Leeds. Peter Reed, he's got a monkey's head. He's got a monkey's head, and he's coming to try and save everything and get those babies working hard so they don't get relegated like the Sunderland team that he'd just been kicked out of six months earlier. So, good luck, Leeds, with Peter Reed there. This is it! Into April, and Leeds won 6-1 at Charlton. So it was working out for Peter Reed, it seems. And Manchester United, who were chasing Arsenal down at the top of the table, won 6-2 at Newcastle. So it was getting quite exciting. Sunderland got relegated, which was inevitable. Um, in their last 19 matches, which of course was one half of the entire season, they managed one draw and 18 defeats. It truly was horrific. I watch. actually, yeah, I mean, I do remember that as being one of the worst relegations I've ever seen. I mean, it's quite, it's quite, it lives in the memory how few points you got. Well, just stick around for 2005, 2006 when we do it again, but worse. <laughs> oh, under, oh, maybe I'm thinking of that one. Was that under McCarthy that as well? That was under McCarthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 West Ham beat Fulham 1-0 in their relegation battle and mm. uh, Glenn Roder was rushed to hospital with what turned out to be a brain tumour. He got so excited that he it's had a brain tumour. Yeah, exactly. That, I think that's what it was like. His entire His mind, mind exploded, exploded. And so we had to get Trevor uh, Brook in instead. They, yeah, I say, yeah, I say he's had a, uh, he's had a brain tumour. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to uh, step in. And he was great, Trevor Brook. And so we kept winning. It was really annoying. At the end of the season, we kept winning games, but it was too little, too late. Yeah. You needed someone whose mind was definitely not going to pop, who was just going to be the epitome of calm. Yeah, there's no composure. way... Brookings, like That's the Brookings. last person you would expect to have a brain explosion, exactly in any situation, he is calm personified. You know, uh, he obviously is a hero of mine. And when I went behind the scenes on Match of the Day years and years ago, when um, Lineker had first taken over for a magazine article, and I, I had to interview, I spent the whole day behind the scenes with him. It was brilliant. I'm sure I've talked about it before. It's one of the best days of my life, and. Um, <laughs> It really was. I mean, I was quite young and I was just like behind the scenes watching all the games with them live yeah. on live feeds. And they had a sweepstake and everyone had Ooh. crisps and Kit Kats and yes. teas. It was brilliant. And then afterwards, uh, after they'd watched all the games, I got to interview each of them individually. So I went into Gary's dressing room, interviewed him. Then I spoke Ooh. to Hanson. And then Trevor said, 
Oh, going up to the uh, canteen if you'd like a bit of lunch. If you'd like a bit of dinner, I usually go into canteen. So, so I go up and I'm standing in line with Trevor Brooking with our trays in the BBC canteen. You yeah. know, when you go along the slidey thing with your tray and he goes, yeah, there's sandwiches. talking me all through it. Yeah, of course, there's, uh, there's sandwiches there if you'd like a sandwich. Uh, they've also got some salads there. In a, you know, they'll do cooked food for you as well. And I'm like... All right, yeah, and I'm sort of thinking, yeah, I can see all of this, mate. But anyway, I'm about to have dinner with Trevor Brookin, and I am a lifelong West Ham fan, and this is the most incredible thing that's ever yeah, happened. like a dream. And then he goes, would you like a fried egg at all? And I went, hey? I said, there aren't fried eggs on the menu. He goes, oh, it's all right. I know the ladies here. They'll do you. He goes, they will do you a fried egg if you want. And he goes, and then the the girls all got really excited. The sort of canteen ladies obviously all had crushes on Trevor Mm -hmm. Brooking because they're all women of a certain age. And he is like, he's kind of like a Cary Grant type. Exactly. That's how to operate. Yeah, and he's gone, hello, ladies, and they've had a right good flirt up. And he's introduced Mm -hmm. me to my friend Sam, and I'm like blushing with excitement. Mm -hmm. And he went, would you mind doing us both a couple of fried eggs? And they go, of course, Trevor, we'll do you a couple of fried eggs. And I was so impressed. And I didn't really want a fried egg, but I wasn't about to turn down no, the you opportunity. Can't the buck, can you? And so then we sat down, had fried eggs and had dinner together while I interviewed him. It was probably the best thing to have ever happened to me. And you know who would never be offered a fried egg? Who? Graves Sooness. Oh, no way. Hasn't got the, I don't uh, know. The charm. I don't know what Sunes would have from the canteen because he probably finds all food stupid, frivolous, <laughs> and poncy. Yeah, a sandwich, a fucking sandwich. Are you fucking having me on? What? Two bits of bread and you spread fucking butter on it in case you can't take the bread being fucking dry, and then you put your ham in between it. What the fuck is the matter with you? Who's done that? You big fucking ponce. Who's took the time to take the bread and cut it and then put stuff in between it? Just get a loaf of bread and just eat it. Yeah. What's the matter with you? Get some meat. What's the matter? You're worried it's going to hurt your wee gums. <laughs> Eat the fucking bread and then get on with what you got to do. Just, yeah. get a tin so of, he... just get a tin of stew and steak and just drink it out of the tin with a gravy. <laughs> and then eat your bread. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, he would have thought a fried egg was the height of kind of, you know, metropolitan, smug, like poncery, a fried egg, a fucking fried egg. You want to take the egg out of its wee shell and fry it in a bit of oil in a fucking pan. It's come from what? It's come from a hen's ass? Are you for real? <laughs> I saw a fried See what egg. I do, eat the fucking hen, not the fucking <laughs> shape that's come out of it. I saw a fried egg in Italy. I came straight home. <laughs> that was me, done. That was me done. I went to the chairman of Sampdoria that afternoon and said, I'll pay up my own contract. This place fucking sickens me and I've had enough. I'm going to Glasgow Rangers. I'll go anywhere. Even Rangers. <laughs> they don't have eggs in they don't have eggs in Glasgow. <laughs> I'm certain they of that. Like, they wouldn't know what an egg was if you fucking threw one at them. Jalapeno. There was a midweek showdown between Arsenal and Manchester United with them both neck and neck at the top of the table, pretty much. Um... United were three points ahead, but Arsenal had a game in hand. It was all getting... It, I'll tell you what it was. It was squeaky bum time. And oh, this no. Was when, this was when Alex Ferguson coined that phrase. Squeaky Yeah, that's bum another time. phrase that sometimes people still use, and it's annoying. It's very annoying. It doesn't... What do you think it represents? Does it, I've, it, it? I, for years, didn't understand what it meant. 
that I've come in recent years to think, do they mean that when you... Was Ferguson trying to say that when you get nervous, you start farting? Because that's not a thing. No. You don't get... I don't my, my I don't fart out of nerves. No, and never. And he said it as if it's a, like a, a that's a thing that we all know, right? And no one ever pulled him up on it and went, "What the fuck are you talking about, squeaky bum time?" What does that mean? It sounds horrible. It's unless, stupid, and it's not a real thing. Unless Sam, unless it's something that is prevalent in Glasgow where they don't have eggs. Yeah. And if you don't have eggs in your diet, you're more prone to um, nervous farting. N- yeah, anxiety flatulence, as it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt but, on that. But that's fair enough. He might have known what he's meant, but I didn't like the way that because everyone was kowtowed to him so much, mm. they just sort of, everyone just nodded and went, yeah, and then started using the phrase themselves. And no one ever pulled him up on it and said, can you fucking explain what that means? Was this before or after the time he he managed to evade a speeding charge because he his, his lawyer had told the court that he... he Scared he was going to shit himself. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I think I do remember he was that. speeding home because he was uh, going to shit himself. I, I was going to shake my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shake my trousers. I'm a knight of the realm. You can't have that. <laughs> it's in the rules. <laughs> you cannot have a knight of the realm driving around Manchester <laughs> with shit dripping down his trouser legs. <laughs> Imagine me walking in the house to my dear wife, Kathy, and her seeing that. <laughs> if this was Crown Court <laughs> and you'd been faced with that, would you, would you find him guilty or not guilty? Uh, yeah, so I'm the, I'm the juror and he's basically his defences. I thought I was I, about to shit myself. His defence was, I needed a shit. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah, let him off. I mean, we all know what it's like. We've all been there. We've all needed a shit before, and it's horrible. And you're willing to drive at dangerous speeds, and if someone dies, they die. You know, death is, is, you know, probably preferable to the indignity of shitting yourself in a car. Jalapeño. Yeah, so Arsenal and United drew 2-2 in that match. Um... Arsenal had the game in hand, but then they dropped points at home with a 2-2 draw against Bolton. So it looked as if United were going to win the league. Uh, they beat Charlton 4-1 in their next match, Manchester United. Arsenal then needed to beat Peter Reid's Leeds in order to stay in the championship race. Arsenal 2, Leeds 3. And that was that. Manchester United were the Premier League champions again. And um, Arsene Wenger dealt with it with um, good grace and style he mm. said um, well you know we've been beaten by a team that spent 50% more than we did which is nice <laughs> which is nice nice what bit an of graciousness arsehole. there yeah 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 and the final day of the season West Ham and Bolton were both on 41 points this is going to bring back sad memories for you Sam yeah uh, Bolton managed to beat Middlesbrough 2-1 West Ham could only draw 2-2 at Birmingham and you were relegated on 42 points I uh, know, it's incredible, Under especially Trevor when you Brooklyn. consider... Yeah, I think we were on 16 at Christmas. Fucking so hell. we did really well in the second half of the season. We brought in we brought in Lee Bowyer and a couple of other players. Les Ferdinand joined. Right. And we'd obviously done really well in that second half. We went on an incredible run. But the first half of the season been so poor, we were playing catch-up. And 42, I think, you know, a lot of teams since then have stayed up on 38. Well, these so, days you can stay up on 36 sometimes, can't you? Yeah. 
So it was a shame, especially when you look at... We went down famously with the likes of Joe Cole, Jermaine Defoe, mm. Car- Carrick. Um, Don Hutchison, who had, of course, deserted ha- Sunderland a couple of years the previously. Hatch. Prick. The Hatch. Uh, the Prick. Yeah. Deca- we said De Canio and yeah. Canute. We had them all. And they somehow got us relegated, which was disgusting. Something to do with Glenn Roder's brain, no doubt. But, yeah. I mean, you're only going to go down on 42 points when the team at the bottom has a very, very low total, and that was Sunderland on 19 points. So you've got us yeah. to thank for that. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Um, that's about it for this one. We normally say goodbye to someone at the end of each episode. This time it was Main Road, because Manchester City departed Main Road for the the uh, City of Manchester Stadium, whatever the fucking hell it's called. So that was the end of the end of the road for Main Road. Yeah, shame. Good stadium. I I remember going there once and finding it so intimidating that I said to some of the lads I was with because all the pubs we drove past were like the Moss Eisley Cantina. There was men standing outside, <laughs> like one eye on the centre of their forehead, <laughs> and things like that. And we drove into town. And I had been smoking marijuana heavily in the back of the car all the way from London. Whoa, all the way. Uh, yeah, and the car was just full of smoke. And so I was feeling particularly anxious and paranoid, um, as as you did in those days when you used to indulge in that sort of thing. And I looked at all these pubs. We were sort of slowly driving by, slowing down to look if that might be a good one for away fans. And they said, oh, it's not, nowhere really looks the part. And I said... Can I? I'm just going to get some cans and then crawl under the car and drink them there until it's time to go into the stadium. <laughs> that's my last memory of Main Road, wanting to hide underneath a car. I think that's probably the the abiding memory of a lot of people that went to Main Road. Yeah. So that that's quite fitting, really. Yeah. Um, I think we'll end with the sponsor quiz that we haven't done for a, a couple oh, yeah. of episodes. Right, this is quite a tricky one. I think I've made it a bit harder for you this time, but we'll see how you get on. Dial a phone. Dial-a-phone? Dial-a-phone. Bl- Bloody phone hell. Uh, no idea, so I'll just take a random stab and say Southampton. Oh, it was Middlesbrough. Okay. Strongbore. Leeds. Ah, well done. Thompson, the holiday people. Uh, Spurs? Yes. Yeah. Two out of three so far. Not as hard as I thought it was. NTL. Cable NTL, TV I know this. I can picture it. I think that's Villa. Oh, so close. It's Newcastle. Ah, okay. And finally, All Sport. All Sport. So was that a chain of sports stores, perhaps? Um, Going to have to be a guess. I'll say... Uh, Fulham. Oh, not mind. Charlton Athletic. Charlton, Charlton Athletic. Athletic. Charlton Athletic. Okay. All right, I did not bad there. I got you did two, all right. two you out got of five. Couple. Yeah, you got a couple. Mm. So that's it for two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, so have do I. It? I really do. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, and I really hope the listeners have too. It that's went on a bit, but you know, fuck it. <laughs>